0: Welcome to a special Halloween episode of Retro-Vaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, but this week I'm only here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. Because Billy is busy. He is not able to make it this week. We tried to fit it in when we could all make it, but we couldn't. But we also didn't want to delay this episode past Halloween, so it's just the two of us. So, Jeremy, (laughs) since our last episode, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, I randomly uh, bought Forza Horizon 3 uh, on on PC. Uh, I... I wanted to kind of get it on Xbox One, but you know, I wanted to really see what it was like on on uh, on PC because I I do actually have a PC that can run it these days, and and I loved Forza Horizon One and Two, so uh, I, I really wanted to check it out. Have you actually played any of the uh, Horizon games at all?
0: No, I'm I'm really not a, a
1: racing guy. You're Not at all. a racing game guy. Uh,
0: unless you can shoot shells at people, I don't normally race.
1: You can't really shoot shells at, at people in this one. This was definitely uh, not a Mario Kart style game. But I do love me a, a good racing game. And uh, there's not too many of those out there anymore. You remember back in the day when like racing games were, were just like that was it. You know, you had Ridge Racer and, and Gran Turismo and, and all these amazing racing games that everyone just loved. And they were like one of the most popular genres out there. But it seems anymore that, like, the racing genre is is really kind of a niche genre that most people don't play anymore. And uh, so anything I can get that I, you know, that I feel is a quality kind of game, I'm going to go with. And uh, Forza Horizon 3 for me is uh, one of the best that, that you can actually get. This is an open world style racing game. You know, you can kind of go around this, this huge map of Australia and it, it's... It's so well represented. I haven't actually been to Australia, so I can't. I guess I can't really say how well represented it is, but man, is it gorgeous! And and that is just kind of what I think Australia to be. Besides just horrible giant bugs that kill you constantly, uh, this is uh, one of those kind of racing games where you can kind of go around wherever you want and find. Uh, you you can race different races. You can you do these different stunts, and the whole thing is you're trying to level up your different uh, venues that you have. You have like three or four different venues, like one's along the coast, one's in the city. And the more races you do, you actually gain fans. And uh, you're, the more fans you get, once you leveled it up, you can actually level up the racing venue itself. And it's, it's really cool to be able to do that and just, just kind of go around and explore. Uh, there, there's just so much stuff you can do in that game. And and like I said, I was a huge fan of the, the original uh horizon one and horizon two so so being able to play this one is is a it's just a real treat i i love a good racing game and for forza horizon three is is one of the best i played in a long time
0: yeah like you were saying the the last time racing games were huge was i guess playstation one era is really when they were everywhere They were then you know, it's when gran turismo came out it was the the uh, hugely popular Uh, genre of game and they kind of faded out a little bit I guess the last racer I played at all was what Burnout one of the Burnout games Uh, but again that's less about racing and more about doing destruction which I'm all about Uh, it's something other than just
1: racing I yeah I was a huge fan uh, of the Burnout series but that kind of burnt out I guess Uh, but (laughs) see what I did there I I uh, um, but Uh, there there was just uh, you know it it just seems like it's not that big of a deal anymore it, it's it's unfortunate because racing games for me ever since i was a kid when i was playing pole position in the arcade you know that was one of my favorite genres of games to play and it, it's it's never died out there there's just something relaxing to me about playing a good racing game and and you know p- racing against other people it, it's just something that's a, no other game can really do for me and and it's getting more rare Uh, every year we get to you know you just don't get a good quality racing game anymore unless it's like those super uh, you know sim kind of racing games and I'm just not that into those games I like a good arcade racing game and Forza Horizon 3 is is one of the best out there I mean you got the mainline Forza Forza games um, and those are great I, I love those games too but Forza Horizon has always struck a great chord of like realistic simulation with a simulation style gameplay or or an arcade style gameplay. And that's, it's just, it's so much fun to play those games And, and it's just why I love them so much to, you know, to play every, every time they come out. And this is definitely one of the best they've done. Probably my favorite of the bunch so far.
0: Well, since I didn't have, and this is going to shock you, and I'm sure Billy will be surprised even though he's not on the podcast. I still don't have a PS4.
1: No, uh, I know no, this you is promised. I know promised. I
0: promised myself I would get one, and I still don't have it. But it's not not happening. I just uh, I've actually been very busy. I'm painting parts of my house. I'm trying to get a lot of things done uh, before uh, the Thanksgiving when I'm gonna have like basically my entire wife's family in the house. I have a lot to do, so I, I was like, you know, I'm gonna hold off on getting this because I'm gonna want to play it. And then I but I have things I need to do, so I still don't have that. But I do want to keep you know playing some horror games or Halloween themed games because that that's what I you know, I watch those kind of movies this time of year. That's what I want to be involved in. So I'm I'm still playing through Evil Within, which what the do you more, think
1: what do you think about that mess of a game?
0: <laughs> yeah, the more I play it, I mean it's definitely enjoyable so far. And again, I'm not extremely far. I think I'm in like chapter five or six. But it's still like every chapter starts kind of strong and then I I lose interest. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, even though I love Outlast, which is a game where you do, do nothing but hide. For some reason in this game, I hate the sections where you do nothing but run and hide. Uh, I don't think they play as well as out as Outlast did, and, and it's a lot harder to avoid things, so it's a lot more like you're literally running immediately in front of something, so if you make one mistake, you're just screwed and you have to restart oh. large sections. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that, but, uh, but I am still playing it, and I will finish it. Uh, but what I am playing that's, that's definitely Halloween-themed. Did you ever play the Costume Quest game?
1: Yeah, I played I played, uh, I think, three fourths of the way through the first one. And I meant to finish it, finish it, but I never did. Yeah, I finished the first one. And I bought the second one when it was on one of the
0: humble sales. Uh, and I just didn't want to start it till Halloween. So I just started it this week. And it's the kind of game I can play in a room with my children in. They don't they aren't freaked out by it. But it's also mm-hmm. not like a bad influence because it's just about kids, uh, you know, collecting candy. And they're fighting things, but it's a cartoony sort of. Costumey fight, it totally works out. So I'm enjoying that definitely. If you haven't played uh, either of the Costume Quest games, essentially, you're you're children that, for whatever reason, have to um, save the world from, in the second one, which is the the one I'm playing now, from an evil dentist. Because why wouldn't you? Dentists hate Halloween (laughs) because of the candy and all. So you you have to go uh, and kind of travel through time to stop this dentist from ruining halloween forever uh but that also involves basically taking quests where you do go door to door and knock on the door and either get candy or have to make fights with people um it it's a great little role-playing game it reminds me a lot of uh, actually some of the mechanics of super mario rpg uh but also the penny arcade role-playing games that came out a while ago Mm. um they're very similar to that as well um and I don't know, like or hate those games. I actually enjoyed playing through them uh, because I thought the fighting mechanics were pretty good. Uh, and, and this is that, you know, you, you have a very basic level of attacks, but then if you push a button at the right time, you can do combos, you can do more damage, uh, or if you push a button at the wrong time, you do less damage. And if you push a button when they attack you, much like Mario RPG, you, you take less damage. So it's a lot more of the timing uh, of that kind of RPG as opposed to a more involved Final Fantasy style RPG. But it's, it's also extremely easy. Uh, but it it's totally Halloween, start to finish, uh, and it's perfect oh, yeah, for this totally, time of yeah.
1: year. I, does this game like? Uh, does the second one build more on the se- uh, the first one? Because the first one was super super simple. Like it was almost simple to the point of after the fourth or fifth battle, I, I was genuinely kind of bored with the mechanics of the game. I you know it's it's super. Like, I love just playing it because it's so Halloween and everything. The characters, the story, and everything like that. But everything else about that game was so, so simple. Like, does the second one actually build on anything?
0: Not really. I mean, it, it's mm. the same characters, and it follows the same story. Like, the story of the first one ends and the second one begins. Uh, but it's still just it's very repetitive, kind of simple. But it's also very short. I mean, you'll you'll blow sure. through the first game in, in five hours or so, and the second one's about the same. Um, but it's just kind of a good... Uh, it's short enough that the repetitiveness won't really kill you, and as long as you, uh, you know, kind of like a slightly goofy RPG where you change your abilities by what costumes you're wearing, then uh, you, can't, you can't do any better than Costume Quest. So I've been playing that. But the other thing I've been playing is what we're covering this week, which is not one game, but actually kind of four. We're covering all the 16-bit Castlevania games for the Super Nintendo, Genesis, and TurboGrafx CD The first one of these that came out, uh, it was in 1991, and that would be Super Castlevania 4 for the Super Nintendo. Now I know Jeremy, you said you had played this before.
1: This was uh, one of the actual like first Super NES games I ever played once I got my Super NES. Uh, I, I got it kind of you know a little late later than what the launch was, so when I got it, you know, this was one of the new games that I could play. And, you know, I was super excited about Super Mario World and all the launch Super NES games. But when Super Castlevania came out, you know, the original Castlevania on the Super NES or the Nintendo was one of my favorite games ever. And, uh, you know, we've got a review of that on Retrovania.net. You can check that out if you want to. But that was that was huge for me. That was that was just an amazing game. And Castlevania was just always up there. As, as just one of those games that was supposed to be the high bar of what a side-scrolling action game should be. And when I I got to rent Super Castlevania, I mean, it it just blew me away. It, it was on another level. Like, this was what you should expect from, uh, you know, going from one generation of a console to another. It, it was just, it pushed everything beyond what you could ever expect from the Super NES. And, I'm sure we'll cover this, but everything was just pushed up to 11 and it was just this amazing looking game, amazing sounding game uh, on all levels that it it just, you know, it just blew me away. But yeah, Super Castlevania is the game for me uh, as far as Castlevanias go.
0: Well, uh, up until this point, all the Castlevanias that we would have played would have been on the original Nintendo. Uh, the first three Castlevanias are great games, uh, arguably mm-hmm. the second one I would say it is. Most people would say it is not a great game. Oh. Uh, but but the first one and the third one are unarguably amazing games. And yes. in the original Castlevania, uh, which, again, we do have on uh, Retrovania.net a review of, it is really where all these games start from and branch off from. They all kind of follow the same mechanics, at least up through... Uh, up through three, they definitely had the same mechanics. You played as a Belmont, most likely Simon Belmont, uh, trying to stop Dracula by going through a series of side-scrolling levels. Uh, you have a whip as your main attack, and you would find other items in the level uh, that you could use as, uh, as special weapons, and you have hearts that are how many times you can use your special weapons. So you can find an axe or a um, holy water that will splash on the ground and ca- you know causing damage to the undead. Uh, it, a very... Very good game stylistically, uh, the original Castlevania, and, and all of them look very good. Even the ones on Nintendo look, for Nintendo, amazing. Some of the best looking games on the system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've talked before about how, you know, like Mega Man, for example, when it made the jump to to 16-bit, it still looked good, but it looked like what you thought the original Mega Man's look like, and you're like, yeah, yeah, this looks just like Mega Man, even though it did look better. Castlevania 4, when I turned it on, it looks worlds better than Castlevania. I mean, it's not like it makes Castlevania look bad, but it really looks like it takes advantage of the extra power. I mean, the backgrounds are much more involved, the levels look way, way better and tighter. There, there's a lot more colors on everything, there's a lot of cool effects on everything. Uh, Super Castlevania 4 is definitely a jump ahead for the series, but it's also probably one of the best looking games I've played on the Super Nintendo.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, this is still to this day it it holds up. It, it's amazing how well this, you know, how good this game looks. It is everything, you know, is is much more, much larger and and more detailed than what the NES version was, of course. But just the amount of detail that that they added into every stage and the the special effects and and just I mean, everything about it really goes just way beyond anything the NES could ever do. And there was just something about that game when you first played it, Uh, even the gameplay itself. uh, And and we'll get into this, but just, you know, you you were probably used to the Castlevanias on the NES where just it was very, um, you know, I don't want to say stiff, but it was uh, kind (laughs) of, I don't even really know how to describe it. It was weighty, maybe. It was very weighty. Uh, Your character seemed to have a weight to it that, uh, really seemed to prevent a lot of things you wanted to do. Whereas Super Castlevania, everything you kind of wanted to do in the original Castlevania is like, you know, aim your whip in different directions and, and kind of swing around. You could do that now. And there was it, it felt you know, that you had much more freedom as, as a character uh, as playing the game, uh, not only how good it looked, but just how well it played. I think that was one of the things that really stood out with that game.
0: Well, yeah, the first three Castlevanias the big thing was yeah, you couldn't aim your whip. You always aimed your whip completely forward. You can jump up and then you shoot your whip forward, but it's not like you can aim it diagonally or any other direction. Just wherever you're facing straight ahead. Uh Super Castlevania four lets you aim your whip in pretty much any of the eight cardinal directions, and then if you actually hold the attack button down, you can wave the controller around and it'll like wave the whip around almost. Which which is uh I think it's a neat useless. idea. I mean, it it's looks a neat cool, idea. But it's kind of useless. Well, but then there's other things where it it almost becomes if you don't know how to use it properly, you're going to be screwed in levels. Like you have yeah. to learn how to use that mechanic pretty well. Um, and and it's it was hard for me to get used to that even even after playing some of the other Castlevanias, you know, up to this point and after. I that was a weird. That button-hold whip swing was definitely mm. a little weird. And the other thing that was, was weird, you mentioned that you can u- now use your whip to kind of grab onto things and swing across them. I found that to be very hard to do effectively. Like, I could do it, but it would be several tries sometimes, or I would overshoot. Um, but, but still, compared to what you could do previously, yes, it was a, a much freer motion. The other thing with the original Castlevanias is you could, when you jumped in Castlevania 1 through 3, it was a set distance you didn 't have any control over your jump it 's not like Mario where you can jump in the air and then kind of aim where you want to land you You jumped a specific distance, yes, and four didn 't have that Four has a lot more control of your jump it 's a lot more fluid, uh, which makes a lot of the game much much easier than some of those old games, but it 's still a hard game i don 't think Super Castlevania Four is an easy game by any means uh, It still has the the same levels of difficulty as the originals. It still has some of the things that made the Castlevania series. As frustrating as possible. Uh, Medusa heads are a great example. Uh, Those monsters that come across in like a sine wave uh, that somehow, even though it's clear where they're going to be, manage to hit you over and over again as you're trying to jump. Uh, It still knocks you backwards when you jump, which is a staple of the Castlevania series, which I could live without, but is something I'm used to being there. (laughs) Uh, And the bosses are, are... generally very huge uh when they need to be but they're also all very different. I thought Super Castlevania 4 had some um you know pretty involved bosses compared to some of the earlier Castlevanias but not not unbelievably so. It wasn't anything that had like some amazing mechanics. They were just very strong bosses with with enough different attacks that you really had to stay on the ball.
1: Yeah, there there was just most of the bosses were were entirely like manageable in this in, in super castlevania it wasn't too terrible at all it wasn't like you were you know nothing was very cheap or anything like that it was uh it was almost kind of like a lot of the bosses were just kind of or tank and spank uh you know it, you just kind of lay into them and and just hope for the best uh, you know you could definitely learn, learn their patterns and everything but it wasn't anything you really had to be too crazy about. And, and like what you said earlier with, uh, you know, just e- even like the how you still like fell back every time you got hit and stuff like that, I still felt like I had more, it was more my fault in this game than like if I got hit or something like that and if I did fall back than I did in any previous Castlevania. Uh, the, you know, I, I really felt like I had more control over my character in this one than I did anything else. So there was a lot of times in the original NES Castlevania games where, you know, I'd get hit and it just felt like it was, it was almost mechanical. Like I would just hit, hit and I was gone. You know, I'd, I'd fall off the edge and that was it. This one, I felt like every time I got hit, I felt like I had and more options uh, to, you know, available to me with, with the move set that I had to really, you know, the, take advantage of of the controls that the game gave me to get out of the situations that I had. So I never felt as helpless as I did in the original NES Castlevanias when there were like a thousand Medusa heads coming at me in the clock tower stage. And I, you know, there was literally nothing I could do. Uh, I, I really felt that super Castlevania did a great job of just having so many different ways to get out of, you know, you, you've got your diagonal whip attacks uh, your swing attacks, ev- everything about that just really made it a much more enjoyable game to play uh, than I, I, you know. I think what the original NES games were.
0: Well, yeah, it definitely was more balanced. I think uh, the yeah. at least for the first and third Castlevanias, there's definitely some parts uh, that were incredibly difficult and almost unfair. And and in the original Castlevania, you can blame that on being a port of an arcade game, which is designed to make you waste your money, uh, but. But at least the third one, you know, was designed for consoles. It was balanced fairly well, but there are still parts of three. I've never finished Castlevania three because it's too hard. Three is
1: a hell of a fucking. It's just it's almost impossible at times
0: where where this one, you know, while we were playing it for the podcast, I I did finish it. Now, this is the first time I've played Super Castlevania four, despite that. I, I know it looked amazing and I love Castlevania. I again, I didn't get a Super Nintendo until way late. Uh, you know, we we had the Turbo Graphics first, and I didn't get a, Turbo, uh, a Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo until you know almost towards the end of the system's life, and it was more or less my brother's system, so I didn't have a lot of games for it. Uh, so I never had played Super Castlevania other than on you know a couple of screens just to test it out. Uh, so I was I was very excited about playing this because I knew it was good. I, I mean, there, there's not really a a terrible Castlevania in the main series. Uh, until you get into some of the 3D entries So I was like this is going to be great And it was It's probably uh, I mean it's got to be one of the best Castlevanias I don't know if I think I like it as much as something like Symphony of the Night But I almost consider that a different style of Castlevania than this This is still very much in the vein of the original Castlevania Which is each level has a start and a finish And then you go to the next level And they're all self-contained You don't, There's no backtracking It's not a Metroidvania It's It's Castlevania Start to finish
1: it's kind of weird you you know you say this is is a lot like the mainline castlevanias but there's so much different about this game that that they did a, a gameplay mechanic wise like they really did a lot of things different with this game it, it you know they did so much more than what any castlevania even past this game ever tried to do You know, after this Castlevania, uh, uh, most of it kind of went back to the traditional Castlevania gameplay is like, you know, you can't do your whip like diagonally or anything like that. Uh, You really don't have the freedom of movement like you did in in this one. So this is it's really a different type of Castlevania that kind of almost stands on its own because nothing else really tried to do what this game did. It really feels like it's its own game, and nothing else tried to ever copy this game this Castlevania, which kind of sucks because it plays so well well that that's the
0: thing I think we're going to see on all three or all four really uh but but all the games we're going to talk about today, even though they all take that Castlevania core gameplay, they kind of go different ways with it uh and, yeah. and after the sixteen bit era, if you can ignore you know castlevania sixty four which most people have forgotten about it kind of switches. <laughs> Symphony of the Night kind of restarts the, the whole thing off as a as a, an open Metroidvania style. You know, you get a lot of abilities that open up other parts of the map you've already been to. There's a lot of backtracking. And this kind of style of game really ends at the 16-bit era, where you have a start and a finish for each level, and you, you're kind of just plowing through it. Uh, I, I have, I've i enjoyed the fact that these all are that kind of game. And, and yes, Castlevania 4's big thing is they, not only is it does it have you can, you know, use your whip to swing any direction and, and use it, uh, you know, really it's that holding the button and swinging the whip around thing. That That's definitely not in any other Castlevania that I've seen. This game, because it's on the Super Nintendo, has some levels that would, of course, have to show off what the system does. Oh, yeah. So there's a level where the room rotates. I hated that level, every bit of it, but it had to show the mode 7. (laughs) And so every Nintendo game, you know, uh, Contra 3 has those levels of 2, just to show you what it can do. And, you know, Pilot Wings, all those games had the mode 7 scrolling. And this has it in there, too. But that said, it didn't feel bad when I was there. Like, I I didn't think, oh, this is total garbage just to show off the thing. I thought it made sense to show off the feature. Uh, It was just very hard because of it, that one section. Uh, And like I said, I had a problem controlling myself as much when I was using the, this, the whip to swing from point to point. I, I, there were definitely parts of the game that if I did not play with save states, which I did in this, I had, I, I got it on the Wii U, uh, virtual console for this. Um, it, i don't know if i would have gotten to you know to the end of it i think i would have gotten really far but then gotten frustrated and, and with the time we're talking about to record a podcast i wouldn't have had the time to finish it up but that said i would have gone back to it because it is it start to finish there's not a bad level in the game and i think it it plays amazingly
1: yeah i think it's it's really crazy that you you hadn't actually you know played super castlevania so that's i mean it's really awesome that you got to try it out now for the first time and you know back then i i literally went through the entire game because i wanted to see what crazy effects what crazy super NES effects that they would actually put in the next level and it it never let me down you know there there were bosses you know like the golem boss that started out as like this huge sprite and, and the more you hit it you know it was it got smaller and smaller and it was you know, really impressive back in the day when it actually, you know, when you saw it for the first time in the uh, the swinging uh, chandeliers in in one of the later stages. Yes. I remember that being like it, it just, I was like, man, this is amazing. It looks amazing. Uh, but, you know, playing it now, of course, you don't, you know, it's mode seven. It doesn't really look that great now. Um, but back then it, it, the graphics and special effects and, and the different situations that it puts you in, even though it might not have been the best gameplay, um, you know, especially for when the, the room rotated and you couldn't really tell, you know, what angle you had to be to, to safely land on a, a, you know, surface. So you didn't just slide off or fall off. It was enough to really push you through the game because it, it looked so great. And there were just so many great gimmicks and and cool bosses that you really really wanted to see what was coming next
0: the original castlevania, super castlevania 4 only allows you to be one character. You're Simon Belmont. You're you're sent to stop Dracula and you'll you'll do so by the end of the game assuming you finish it. Uh, Dra- castlevania 3 had sections where you could find uh, helper characters who you could switch places with. Grant was one who was like he crawled and he shot daggers or something and then there would also be uh, Dracula's son and a witch. Uh, but that's again that's Castlevania 3. But Castlevania 4 went back to you are one character the entire time. Uh Simon Belmont start to finish and your your only main weapon is the whip. So the game that came out for the Genesis, which was Castlevania Bloodlines, was that was the first thing you noticed from the start of the game. You can pick a character from the get-go. You either can play as John Morris, who's the descendant of the Belmont family and therefore he uses the whip, or John's best friend, Eric Lacard, who uses a spear. Now I actually you know I started out with the whip because it's Castlevania, and and I maybe got a level in and thought why? I've played a whip for every other Castlevania. Let me try this spear, and I think the game actually plays a lot better with the spear.
1: Oh man, that, that game is—if you play as uh, you know the guy with the whip, you're playing Bloodlines wrong because that game is—it almost seems like it's made for the 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 spear. Because I mean, the whip isn't too terrible. You do get a faster attack at, if you choose the character with the whip, but the spear is, is so much better in that game, along with the, i sure mean, we'll get into this with the special attacks and stuff like that. But the, the special attack you get with the spear essentially gives you a double jump. And there's so many times in that game where the double jump with that spear guy, uh, it, it comes in so handy that it makes the, the whip guy. It's just, it's not worth it. You, if you're going to play bloodlines, pick the guy with the spear, because that's the way to go.
0: Yeah. Like you said, you get each character has along with just having a different attack. Um, they have a special ability, and so with the spear, you hold down, your character will flash, then you jump, and he jumps like three times higher than normal. It allows him to get to sections that the that John, with the whip, cannot get to. Now, John, on the other end, has a uh, has the same ability that you would have in Castlevania IV, which is to use your, your whip to swing from point to point, but I actually didn't get far enough to find any points that do that. Uh, I'm sure that they're all over the place, but I instead... There were plenty of places where I saw that if I didn't have the Spear, there would have been no way to get to this other spot. Uh, especially towards the end of the game, there's there's actual whole sections that I don't think you could see unless you were playing as Eric. So it, it's definitely worth trying to play as the Spear. I think it makes it a different kind of, of game experience, but it still feels very Castlevania. Uh, this is the only game I've played in the series where you're not in Dracula's castle, or going to Dracula's castle for most of the game. And in fact, the very first level is is supposed to be Dracula's castle. Then after that, you go to different places all around Europe, uh, which is the only Castlevania then where you go to a German munitions factory and fight zombies uh, <laughs> with Nazi helmets. Uh, but but that said, it still I thought it still felt like Castlevania. However, for Bloodlines, the big thing for me is, and it's noticeable about ten seconds in, the sound compared to the other Castlevanias, is terrible.
1: Oh, that Genesis, The Genesis music. I mean, there's just something about it. Even the sound effects, like, it just sounds really rough. I mean, there's so many, so many games on the Genesis that had such great sound. You know, if you knew how to to work that Genesis sound chip, you could make some amazing sounding games. Stuff you you would remember for the rest of your life. I, I swear to God, I will never forget any sound that comes from World of Illusion. Uh, on the Genesis, but you know, that, that was in the minority. There were just so many games that just kind of brute force that Genesis sound chip and they could not deal with it. It, everything just sounded metallic and, and all the sound effects and music in this game are, are just another example of that.
0: Yeah. Especially when you've played, you know, I I had just played Super Castlevania 4, and and if you would have played this when they came out, this uh, Castlevania 4, like I said, came out in 91, this came out in 1994, so you would have had three years to play the Super Nintendo Castlevania with far superior sound, but just it's it's just not the same. If you have a whip in, in this game and you use it, it sounds almost like just...
1: <sighs> Yeah. It's awful.
0: It's the worst <laughs> sound. And and there were all these things that have that like metallic bong sound that half the yeah. stuff on the Genesis has. It just it, 5 minutes in it was like I may have to turn the audio down to play this. But I got over it. I did get over it. I also think the spear doesn't sound as bad perhaps cuz I had no spear to compare it to uh, in previous <laughs> Castlevanias, but I didn't think it sounded as bad. Uh, but it definitely the sound was the first thing you have to get over. Um, this game has the same um like Castlevania 4 does, which we didn't discuss, but um in the original castlevania games 1 3 4 and, and this game when you start if you've passed if you die and come back in or if you the very start of the game your weapon is at level 1 and you find power up items that make your whip stronger up to level 3 or 4 in the case of uh, bloodlines so if you start if you if you go to a hard part of a level and you and there's only like a handful of Of candles, which is where you get your power ups. You may not have a fully powered up whip by the time you get to a boss, and there were several parts in Bloodlines where that definitely happens. I don't remember that happening as much in Super Castlevania IV, but in this one, it happens a lot.
1: Yeah, there's definitely parts where, especially if you die uh, during a stage, uh, towards the end of a boss, it will give you a small section where you can get at least one. Uh, upgrade to your weapon to where it it will go longer than than what you were before and and maybe some uh uh you know I'm not sure what they call it in this game cuz it kind of looks like blue jewels or something so you can use your your special weapon more but it generally doesn't give you a, the amount you need uh, there's there's definitely this weird kind of challenge to this game to where like it's just like there are these sections repeated over and over with like one thing in each section that just kind of, there's something about bloodlines, man. <laughs> I, I I don't like bloodlines much. I don't know how much you played, but I played most of the way through um, to to the last stage. And, and there's just, there's just really something about this game that doesn't click with me. And it kind of goes with what you're saying. It's just, it, it doesn't give you enough to deal with what you need to what what the game is asking you to do a lot.
0: Well, it, it doesn't feel as smooth as the previous Castlevanias, if that's a way to put it. Like, the levels, like you said, they're kind of... Instead of being, you know, in the original Castlevania, for example, like, World 1 or Area 1 is, like, one, 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 two, and 1, 3, and then the boss. So each of the levels is fairly long. This has a lot of almost, like, one-screen-sized levels. And then... World one will be you know one 1-1 one to one ten or one eleven and then there's a boss so there's a lot, it feels almost like it's little snippets of a level that you play through so there are parts where you'll go through literally a room that's exactly the size of your screen and you'll fight mm-hmm. two things and you'll walk off the other side and then you're in the next whole section of the world like it's it's not as as smooth as the other castlevania's or as it made as much sense there's a lot of parts um, in one of the worlds you go to areas you go to in this one is is Greece and there's parts. Where, again, mechanic-wise, I, I get what they're aiming at, the water level's rising, you're supposed to be jumping as fast as you can to try to get to the, the top of this area before the water drowns you, but it means that, that around that that area, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that you'd go from this side of the screen and start the next place right there. It almost feels like like they're they're cutting out part of the transition in between levels, which the other games never felt that way
1: yeah and this is it's it, it every single stage is basically that like it's like they had one gimmick uh well I'm sorry not one gimmick but several gimmicks per level that they wanted to put in and instead of like having one cohesive level, they would just have these different sections of the of each level that would have one gimmick in them, so you would have this um you know this one part of the stage that you would go to, and the water would rise until you could beat uh, a mid boss or something, and you had to kill that or something. You would go to this this other level uh, where you had to oh god what was one of the other ones where you had to actually uh, you know get past this plant thing that was just kind of in your way, and it would it just repeated this thing over and over again, uh, you know, in like three or four times and then it would you would just exit off to the right of the screen and then you would move on to the next part which which you know sometimes it was kind of neat to see what they would do with the different kind of like gimmicks that each section would have but a lot of the times it was just like you know i i you do it once and you get it and then they would just repeat it and they would make it as cheap as possible over and over again so you just kind of had to get used to the the game just being as as kind of just as cheap as it wants to be and and you just trying to get past it and I I really really didn't enjoy it
0: I don't want to say I didn't enjoy Castlevania Bloodlines because this is another one I had never played before uh, again and that wasn't a huge Genesis guy and this came out late enough in the cycle I mean 94 that means the PlayStation was one year after that there was already stuff on the horizon I was excited about so I wasn't going back and finding games to play on the Genesis at this point but it's not it's not bad. It still feels like Castlevania, but it's it's probably the weakest of the Castlevania games if you don't absolutely hate two. Um, I, I mean, up to that point, there's definitely some worse ones after this. But uh, compared to the 16-bit and 8-bit versions of Castlevania, this is one of the weaker ones, definitely. But it's also one of the the most different because again, you're not in the castle the whole time, and some of those little snippet worlds that we're talking about, it, as much as it's weird, there are some of those like there's a section where Towards the, the end of one of the levels, where it's like there's a whole, there's just a bunch of staircases and and those uh, skulls that shoot fireballs, and you just kind of have to jump from staircase to staircase until you find the right way out of the room. Like it was really annoying at the time, and I didn't care for it. But after it was over, I was like, I've never played anything quite like that in a Castlevania. And and there's a good number of that in this in that game where there's there's just screens of of things. you are like, yeah, I've never seen that in a Castlevania either, and it kind of works, but I don't miss it. But it was neat to see them try different things, I guess.
1: I think that was my favorite part about this game was just that it was so different from the, from the rest of the Castlevania games. Because when you start the game, you you get this nice homage to the original Castlevania with the, the original Dracula's castle. Uh, but shortly after that, you know, you're in more of a modern setting, you know, not super modern. But, you know, you're in these settings that are, you know, that we know today, like a German munitions factory or... Uh, you know the Leaning Tower of Pizza, Pizza. You know you're going all over the place. It, it is definitely a the globe-trotting Castlevania. So you're not just uh, stuck to one portion, or you're just not stuck to one castle. Uh, you're all over Europe basically uh, until you get to the the real Dracula's castle or whatever. But it it really feels. You know, it definitely does feel like Castlevania, but this is one of those games that it's just like, you know, Konami was notorious for having like some weird Genesis versions of their games. Um, There was, you know, Super Castlevania obviously never came to the Genesis, and this was the Genesis version, you know, the Castlevania that they got. And it's completely different. I mean, this is just incredibly different from, you know, if you were on the Genesis expecting a Castlevania game. It, it, you know, this is nothing what the Super NES got. This is its own game. And it's, it's kind of the black sheep, I think, of, of the Castlevania franchise as far as like what people really kind of throw out there is like the best Castlevanias out there. And the, you know, the whole setting and everything like that is so original and, and just unique to the series, but there's just so many things like, you know, you mentioned that kind of like, uh, th- that one area where it was just, you had to find your way through. That's really cool. But then there's a lot of areas that just really, really make this game kind of just stand out as like just one of the most annoying ones in the series. Especially if you played to the last stage of this game. It is one of the most amazing difficulty spikes I have ever seen in a game. It, it, most of this game, three-fourths of this game, is pretty challenging. It's not bad. You can deal with it it you know it's it's definitely tough but it's not too bad but when you get to that last stage in bloodlines this game goes out on an all out fuck you quest to just make you want to stop playing this game like not only does the stages themselves like turn into these weird just you know i don't want to say illusions because the the screen is literally like split into three different uh, types of, of screen to where like it, it looks like the fucking tv is fucked up you know then there's that and there's like the next part where like the screen is upside down and reversed and then you also get to the point where like the grim reaper itself the boss is a boss rush within a boss using the two most annoying bosses in this entire game it just it gets to the point where you're just like man, i just i can't I just can't play this game anymore because Jesus Christ, it is such a fucking asshole in this last stage. Yeah, the
0: last stage, like the... The levels themselves, the, the one you're talking about where the screen's split into three parts or whatever, it, it's supposed to look like you're almost watching it through bifocals, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, but not bifocals, because there's probably eight layers. But it makes it so the first time I got to the thing, I mean, I was playing this on an, on an emulator, and I thought the emulator was broken. Everything looks so bizarre and out of place, and I was like, I'm jumping over here, and then I land over here and everything else. And I realized what was going on, and I thought, well, that's kind of a neat, a neat idea. But I don't know if it's necessarily done the right way here. It was definitely confusing, and there were parts of it. Of course, those damn uh, Medusa, Medusa heads come back, and they shoot fire for no reason. Yeah. They've never shot fire before, but they decide that, hey, you know what? This game isn't hard enough. Let's have these stupid Medusa heads also shoot fire, uh, which was absolutely frustrating. <laughs> um, but, but you know, it it I have it was short enough. It's only six worlds long, even though each world is fairly long, and I think that it did have. Um For example, one of the bosses was like this clockwork boss that would kind of oh, fall apart no. and fly across the screen. I love that boss I oh, thought that was man, interesting
1: that, that guy was the worst <laughs> oh no I,
0: I mean it was hard, but it was it was it had enough things I could follow. I broke down the patterns and I figured it out, but I just thought it was a neat boss. It was big it would it would reform what it looked like at different times, almost like vector man but uh but was made like a tank <laughs> man thing. I thought it was really cool, but uh, it you know, it would man. be out of place in other Castlevania because you don't have anything other than castles and demons. Where this was like, no, we're in a musicians' factory here. Here's the guy that's made of clockwork.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, the whole setting, everything like that, made it, you know, so unique to like the Castlevania series, and I, I love it for that. But you know, I just there there were just things here and there to where you know I, I I can't remember the the name of the whip guy, but he seems completely useless in this game. And there's also parts in this game where you know if if I know if billy was was on this podcast right now, he would totally agree with me. If you don't have the instruction manual, there are parts in this game where it doesn't explain to you that there are only sections where those two characters can go by themselves and I got super stuck in in like the first couple of i think two or three stages uh where you have to actually you know there's there's a part where the the whip guy he can go forward because he can actually use his whip to grab onto the ceiling and swing. Or you could choose, or, or if you're the, um, you know, the, the spear guy, he can jump up much higher than the, the whip guy. And there are, there was that part where I was just like, I got to the part where I needed to swing across, uh, the ceiling with the whip guy, but the, I, I didn't even know that I could do that. So I was just sitting there with the whip guy or the the spear guy. And be like, I can't get past this. I don't know what I need to do. And, and there was just, you know, it's just a weird, weird game where, you know, a lot of the things that Castlevania is known for just, you know, going forward and explore up to that point anyway, going forward, exploring right. and getting to the boss and moving to the next stage. you know, it didn't really explain well until I actually had to go back and and look at a a playthrough video to see what the hell I was doing wrong.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of the more confusing Castlevanias for that reason. I mean, they, uh, you know, Castlevania 3 had parts where you could decide which way you want to go, but it was more obvious. A map would show you, you can go this way or this way. It didn't matter who you were playing. It was just, yep, that's that's the two ways you can go. This actually had it where, where there were parts of the map that you you just wouldn't be able to get to or couldn't get out of unless you were one of the two characters, and you wouldn't know that until you got there. Uh, It's definitely a a frustrating way they put this together, but at the same token, because I only played as the spear guy, really, uh, there were many places I got through that I could have probably been stuck at or had a much harder time at with the whip. It was definitely an easier game,
1: I think, with the spear. It was, and I definitely, you know, since it was Castlevania, I picked the whip guy. First, because I was like, well, this is Castlevania, of course you have to play this game with a whip, but if you are playing Bloodlines uh, with a whip, you are playing that game wrong, because it seems like that game is literally made for, for the guy that with the spear, so that, that's that's my pro tip, pick the guy with the spear, because that's the way to play that game.
0: US, the only other 16-bit Castlevania that came out was Dracula Castlevania Dracula X for the Super Nintendo uh, which came out in 1995 you know again it's the very end of the system the I think it even came out late enough that the Saturn was already out and the PlayStation was right on the horizon uh, for coming out so it didn't get a whole lot of press it's also not that great of a game it's nowhere near as good uh, or as innovative as super Castlevania 4 I would I would say um, but part of that is because it's kind of a port of a game we didn't get here Uh, on the PC Engine CD which here was the TurboGrafx CD uh, a game called Dracula Rondo of Blood uh, is the translation loosely uh, came out for that system it never made it to the US and that's the game that a lot of the graphics and the bosses and the general kind of you know on paper explanation of the game Dracula X is very similar to so I think it's better to explain Rondo of Blood first, and then kind of talk about how Dracula X is different. Now, you didn't get to play any Rondo of Blood for this podcast, correct?
1: I did not. I didn't actually know that Dracula X existed until way after, uh, probably around two thousand. Actually, when when you know I got online and I could see like ROMs for like a Super NES emulator, and they had like Dracula X on there, and I was like, "What the hell is this? I've never you know I didn't know this Castlevania existed." And I, you know, downloaded it and played it, and I was like, well, "This is, you know, pretty good, but it's kind of weird." Uh, you know, that was my experience with with what you know Rondo of Blood actually was on the Turbo Graphics.
0: Well, it definitely feels like a step back in gameplay from from what Super Castlevania Four offered. Now, Rondo of Blood came out in 1993, uh, again in Japan only. But that means that two years prior, you know, Super Castlevania Four came out, and it did give you the ability to swing your rip any direction, which Rondo of Blood does not. Uh, it lets you. Um, you know, use the swing mechanic and things Of course, if you can't aim your whip, then that's not very good So Rondo doesn't let you do that However, what Rondo did add that was new was the item crash feature So if you had a special weapon uh, For example, the axe And you had enough hearts So it would be 10 or 11 hearts Your heart number would flash And that would let you push a button to do a super move So for example, if you had the axe And you had a whole bunch of hearts and your heart number was flashing It would do a, an attack that sends axes all over the screen And makes you invincible for a few seconds A huge help and new to the series uh, also, Rondo of Blood starts uh, what some of the later Castlevanias have, which is you don't have a power-up to your whip. Your whip starts at full strength. Now, you do get special items uh, like the other Castlevanias to you know the knife and the axe and things that you use with your hearts, but your whip is at full strength from the moment you come into the level to the end of the level, which is great. It means if there's parts where you start right at a boss, you're not trying to, to make sure you have the right power-up. It's just just get to the boss and try to fight it again. What Rondo did that made it different from... Super Castlevania 4, and Castlevania Bloodline starts out with this. But in Rondo of Blood, you start out as Richter Belmont, a descendant of Simon Belmont, going to stop Dracula. You will get to a certain point in the second level where you find, instead of a special item like the, the Holy Water or the, the Boomerang or whatever, you find a key that takes that spot. It won't do anything until you're in the right spot. But you'll you'll take that key through the level to a, a very obvious point where it's a locked door. So if you have the key, it's not like you're not sure what to do. You just have to have not taken another special item by then. You use the key on the door, and you'll unlock the door, and you'll free Maria, who is an unlockable character at that point, who you can play as instead of Richter Belmont. And Maria is totally different. Maria has a double jump, which, which Richter does not. Uh, Maria, instead of using a whip, has... Uh, kind of like these birds that she throws out in front of her that then fly back, and all of her special weapons are also very different. She doesn't get an axe and a holy water, and it, you know, she gets like a turtle that turns her into this super shell for a minute that's impenetrable but does no damage. And then she gets, you know, these things that run across the ground. I think they're supposed to be like dogs or something. I mean, all her, all her special abilities are animal based and totally different from playing as Richter. The second character in Rondo of Blood is almost a totally different game. It's same levels, same bosses. But a totally different style of play, which I thought was pretty interesting. That you'd even have the second character if you found her. So if you were just plowing through these levels, you may have totally missed her altogether.
1: Well, now, like like Bloodlines, does it seem like the game is made more for her, or or does it seem like those like each level is kind of balanced for each character?
0: Uh, I mean, it, it. This is the opposite of Bloodlines, where you know I thought Bloodlines was a lot easier and and made for the spear. I think Rondo of Blood is made to be. Richter. I mean he's he's the main character, he's who you're gonna want to finish the game with. Um but playing as Maria is just it's a different experience. She takes more damage when she gets hit generally, but she her attacks make it harder for her to get hit a lot of the time. She does like it's it's automatically almost like a special oven for all of her attacks. She doesn't have like a basic just hit forward attack. Uh, it's always a, a a shot that has both a forward and a backwards vector, so it does damage in two directions, and, and her other special items are, are kind of fire out in directions. It makes it easier in some ways, but then harder, because again, if you take more damage you, in Castlevania, that's saying a lot, because you already take a good deal of damage in a Castlevania game for most things. Um, the other thing with Rondo of Blood that makes it different from the earlier Castlevanias is there are only eight levels... But after the first level, you can find an alternate path that gives you different versions of worlds two, three, four, and five, and then they connect again at world six. And then they're...
1: I, you know, I, I didn't actually get to play Rondo because uh, I wasn't able to get the, get it working or whatever, but I did watch a video of, of someone playing through and, or uh, actually a couple of videos and each one I watched was completely different. And I was like, what's what's going on here? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, this is, uh, you know, it's showing, like, stage two for this one guy and stage two for this other. And they're completely different. And, like, I didn't realize that they were going through these, you, you kind of find these hidden passageways to go through the stage and, and find a different exit. You even, like, find a different boss to move on to like the, the the next stage, which would be completely different from what you would have gone if you didn't find the secret passage. I was like, man, that's really cool. Like you, you got through this entire thing and you've, you know, you could actually play a, a totally separate game or find a totally separate game if you didn't know what you were looking for.
0: Well, right. Each level, even though they're self-contained generally from start to finish, um, either it would allow you to jump to the alternate version of that same level through some sort of, you know, in some levels it's as simple as falling down. You'll end up in the underwater section, another whole part of that level that's the alternate level 2, for example. Or there are some levels where, you know, you'll find like a a, a lever or something to push or ride on. It'll shoot you through the wall and you end up in the alternate version of that same world. It, it almost has, each level almost has a backtracking, um, you know, Metroidvania piece in that level itself. It didn't normally go between other levels that often, but it would it still had a little more backtracking than the previous Castlevanias. I it was it's a weird kind of half step in between what Castlevania, you know, one, three, and four is and and what um Symphony of the Night would be, which is, you know, a full blown Metroidvania. You know, go wherever you want, there are save spots all over the place. This was definitely kind of a mid spot because the other thing it does is after each level um, it saves which level you've completed And you can go back at any point And say I'd rather play level 2 And I think I'll play as Maria If you found her So oh. there's 4 hidden characters you're supposed to save Throughout the entire game And if you save all 4 of those um, All kind of through little tricks or whatever they, they stay saved on your save file And then you can go back and play the last level And see the, the best ending Which is the same ending you'd see otherwise But there's some extra shots of The people you saved kind of at the end but it was neat to have that. It's it's still level based, like all the other Castlevanias. But it it kind of has this overall save file that will say, "Oh yeah, during your play, you've you found Maria. Great, she's saved." And then you find these other people, but you don't have to do it from start to finish to see everything. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the really cool things that the the Turbo Graphics did. You know, being able to have that save file and. You know that right there on on the hard drive or or whatever di- you know card you had on there, it was it it, it was really great. But there man, there were some of those where like you you probably wouldn't be able to find those without some sort of help. I know if you took the alternate uh, stage out of stage one, you know you were kind of on this thing where you were going across platforms and uh, across like a lake or something, and if you it, it, any other part you dropped off of those platforms into the lake, you died. But at the very end of that, that second stage, uh, across those platforms on that lake, if you dropped down, you would land on a boat, and he would take you back across uh, that lake. And it's just like, man, you, you would never find that And in, in case you knew exactly where you wanted to go. And that was just one of those things I was like, this would be, you know, one of those, it, it would be, I, you know, I don't know. I, I wasn't I didn't actually play Rondo of Blood back then, but it was just like, man, if you could like if the game made it just a bit easier to see these alternate sections that you could go to, it seems like it would make the game, you know, have a much more uh, longer. You could just play it, you know, you could just go through and, and try these different levels and, you know, see if it was easier or not. But like that was just one of those things I was like, you wouldn't know that that even existed. Unless, you know, it was by accident or you read it from a magazine.
0: Well, it does give you some hints in the game. Uh, When you go back, after you finish through the levels you've gone to, if you decide to go back and change what level you want to play, the level select shows up as a map. And it shows you in the second level, for example, that there is an alternate path. But it doesn't let you go to it because you didn't unlock it. But it does show you oh, hey, there's something else here. So you might go back and start you know, clowning around and see what you can find. I think that's how you'd, you'd eventually figure it out. I mean, knowing that there was a, a secret in a level, especially when I was younger and had plenty in, of time to find these things, <laughs> I would have definitely scoured the map to find <laughs> out where that secret was. But it's definitely, I, I mean, it, it's a neat in-between for what the previous Castlevanias were and what the future of Castlevania would be generally. Um right. And the other thing to note is for Rondo of Blood, you're playing Richter, which if you're playing um Symphony of the Night, Richter is the the Belmont that kills the Dracula that is the start of that game. So essentially Rondo of Blood is the prequel to Sympathy of the Night, which would take that series, you know, going forward, essentially. That's the kind of the rebirth of Castlevania that started uh with the PlayStation. And all the games after that uh either went to uh, like all the Game Boy ones, kind of follow that that sort of methodology where it's a Metroidvania, or the stuff that was on PlayStation Two and and I think even Xbox Three Sixty are the three D almost God of War style action games that are Castlevania themed.
1: Yeah, and like uh, you know the the Rondo of Blood for for TG Sixteen is, you know I know Super Castlevania is called Castlevania Four, and you know that's just what it is. But for me, Rondo of Blood is the true Castlevania Four. Like that seems like the the sequel to Castlevania three that, you know, that, that what should have been, you know, I love super Castlevania, but it's so different from the rest of these games and how it plays that it just, you know, you can't, it's like almost like a sidestep from the series. It's like, this is an experimental thing. Uh, You know, it's uh, we didn't mention this when we were talking about it, but it's, it's almost, it's just basically a remake of the original Castlevania. You're playing as Simon Belmont, but like, Rondo of Blood is the continuation of the entire series as far as story goes. And that's uh, it, it's it's so good at, at being just a regular Castlevania game as far as how it plays that it, it kind of makes Super Castlevania seem like it's just its own thing, its own side story that just kind of happened and that's there, but for me Rondo of Blood is the true sequel to Castlevania 3
0: well and that's that's why Dracula x when it came out I mean again it was at the end of the system you didn't even know it was out until we you know we were looking at roms later and all it came out and everyone was excited because it's like oh good we're finally gonna get this game we never got and then when it was released it's kind of like yeah it's not really that game I mean they took the basic concepts which is that you you know there are branching paths but instead of having four different alt levels there's only two of them there is no playable Maria you do find her uh, at a different spot in the game than where she is in rondo but you just save her. She's one of the four people you need to save in, the, in that version of the game. Um, so that it's like they took a lot of things out that I think made Rondo of Blood as notable as it was. Uh, I also think it doesn't play nearly as well. Um, now, you didn't get to play Rondo. I think Rondo has... Uh, it's not as, f- as like fluid-feeling as Super Castlevania Four, but it's definitely more so than the old Castlevanias. And I think Dracula X plays a lot more like Castlevania three. Where you you have that same like a uh, uh, kind of a specific size jump, you don't have a lot of control over that too much, and your whip only goes forward, and and it just it looks like a better looking Castlevania three.
1: Yeah, and this is you know if we're we're gonna rank different Castlevanias as far as like how they look and sound, you know I've, we we didn't really mention this much, but like Rondo of Blood, like the sound, the music in that game is amazing. Like, that is the Castlevania as far as, like, you know, just how how great a, a Castlevania can sound. You know, it looked great, but then, you, you know, like, Dracula X for the Super NES, it is a completely different game. And I didn't realize how different of a game this is until you actually mentioned it, because I never played Rondo of Blood. I, You know, that was uh, one of those things I, I, like I said, I just could not get the the TurboGrafx-16 working for some reason with this game but I do know Dracula X and Dracula X for as as you know if you want to say it, it doesn't play as well that's totally fine I can understand that it just kind of feels slow and stiff compared like it totally does feel like an old school Castlevania but man that game looks amazing like it looks like it's kind of like they took like A watercolor like kind of like almost comic bookish version of Castlevania and put it on the Super NES like if there's one thing that that Dracula X does on the Super NES uh, better than than the TG-16 is it just looks stunning like it is one of the best looking Super NES games that are out there
0: yeah Rondo of Blood is not the most graphically impressive game of the four. I think it looks better than than Bloodlines. But oh, totally. I don't think it looks as good as Super Castlevania Four and I don't think it looks as good as, as Dracula X. The sound is better because it's C D based. I mean the other games are all cartridges, but uh, Rondo of Blood came out for the TurboGrafx C D. So the sound is incredible. And it it re it has, you know, remixes of all the original Castlevania themes for parts of it. Uh, one of the parts of Rondo that is uh, a great callback but also incredibly frustrating is at the beginning of or at the level 6 itself is nothing but a boss rush but it's a boss rush of all the original Castlevania bosses so you go to you've you know, you've been fighting all the bosses in the game to that point their own bosses and you get to level 6 and this guy summons the bat from the first Castlevania then Medusa from the first Castlevania and then the mummies from Castlevania like it's, it's a series of bosses from the original Castlevania and then you get to death uh, it's super frustrating but also super cool uh, that it's there, and when it gets there, it plays the original music from the first level of Castlevania, which is oh, also man. cool. So uh, Dracula X definitely took a lot of ideas from Rondo of Blood, but it it streamlined it a little more. I I think it's a fine game on its own. It's not bad. It it feels more like a a straight Castlevania than Bloodlines does, and it does look very pretty. But if you were looking for a a remake of Rondo of Blood, this is not it. Uh, it's it's kind of its own watered down version of Rondo, but still a good game on its own.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's it. It's it's a really great game and I remember when I first played it uh, back in the day you know way later after it came out like you know 5 or 6 years after it came out I played it on on a the Super NES emulator I was like you know this is really good but it, it's just not you know Super Castlevania cuz you know the you you can't make a game like Super Castlevania you know and, and change the rules and and make the gameplay so much better And then just kind of go back to the original Castlevania with something like this. It it looks amazing and everything like that. But if you're going from Super Castlevania and even Rondo of Blood on TG-16, times have changed and, and they did not quite do that with this game. They just kind of figured like, well, let's just go back to the old Castlevania, how it controls, how the character feels, how the character jumps. Everything about it is just old NES Castlevania. And there's a stiffness to it. And and it even feels slower than the original NES Castlevanias that you just don't get what you just like you're playing it. And you're just like, this just doesn't feel right. It doesn't move right. It just it feels too stiff and slow uh, to really, you know, it's just like you can't get used to it. And I never could. As good as it looks and as good as it sounds, even on Super NES, it's just like, man, it just... I want to kind of be playing Super Castlevania instead of this.
0: Yeah, I think uh, as a standalone game, if you had nothing else but one of these games, you know, without knowing that that Rondo of Blood essentially leads to in my opinion the best game in the series, uh the Symphony of the Night game, Super yes. Castlevania 4 on its own though is incredible. Start to finish, I think it plays extremely well. It is kind of a remake of what you've already seen, so you it's not like you're missing anything by not playing one through three, as far as to get how to play four or anything, I mean, I think one through three are all worth playing, but, but four on its own is a great game. I think Rondo of Blood takes some really cool ideas that are refined much better uh, in in some of the later games, but I think the idea of the alternate worlds and kind of scouring the map to find secrets is something that, that I would have loved 100%. If this had been out on the U.S., for the U.S. Turbo Graphics, I mean, this would have been one of those games that everyone in the Turbo would have bought, and I'm, I'm sure it just didn't come out because Konami didn't really support the TurboGrafx Graphics. Uh, it didn't do incredibly well in this country, but uh, but that that was it would have been hard to say what's better between the two. I think they're they're kind of different sides of the same coin. Uh, where Bloodlines is its own thing. It's it's definitely worth playing to to see what they would do with the the basic idea of Castlevania. If you had a any map you wanted, that's kind of what they did. Um, as long as you can get past the genesis sound that's, that's <laughs> definitely the 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 black sheep of the family but but all these games are not bad i mean there's the 16 bit castlevanias are all very strong games i mean oh, even yeah. the ones you know you didn't like bloodlines much but it, again if you if it's the only game you had in your genesis and you know I would think you thought it was a great time. You know, if you didn't have Super Castlevania to compare it to or or, you know, if you played Rondo of Blood or even really been into the earlier Castlevanias, if you would have just picked that up as your first Castlevania, you would have been happy with that game.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I'd say I don't like Bloodlines much, but like if I had rented it back then, and I don't really know why I didn't rent Bloodlines back in the day. Uh, I I remember seeing it at the video store for my for the Genesis, but I was like, you know, this is in my youth. I was just like, this is only a game that could be on the NES, and I had already been burned with like some weird Konami ports of of other games that were way better on the Super NES. So this was like the Castlevania I never played, and you know, this is totally coming from me as someone that's that's trying to play Bloodlines now. Especially trying you know, from coming to play like Super Castlevania for this podcast and, and Dracula X. I, I think Bloodlines is, is still really cool. I, I, it just kinda feels really weird. It's it's kinda like the black sheep uh, of that that whole series. Like, you know, there's it's just kinda weird and neat on its own and but it, it really doesn't kind of seem like it, it fits in with the other Castlevania games. That's not saying it's a bad game at all. Uh, it does get frustrating, especially towards the end. But you know, I, I did have fun with it, and it's just one of those games where it's just like you need to really try it and, and see what you think because it's almost completely different from from the rest of the Castlevania games.
0: Yeah, it's they're they're all very different from each other. Even I mean, hey, you know, I guess in the scheme of general games, are they all kind of similar because they're Castlevania? Sure, they're they're more like Castlevania than Pac Man, but yeah. but they all play very differently. And it's kind of interesting to, to, to look at what each game does differently and kind of see what they took from each of those games going forward. I mean, even, even Bloodlines, the, the spear mechanics and the, the extra high jumping things, that's one of the things I liked in some of the later Castlevanias for Game Boy is that each, instead of having a you know, whip that powers up, you would get different weapons that you would either buy or find or create. And, and that would change entirely how your character played. And and I think having the spear and kind of seeing how the, it works through levels, I think that's something that you could say they, they took from that that game as kind of a test to see where they were going to go with other weapons and, and other mechanics going forward in the series. I, I mean, I think all four of them are are solid games uh, that definitely kind of test things, and I think it's interesting that the one that never made it to this country is the one that essentially speared the, yeah. the series forwards after that.
1: There was, there was one thing in Bloodlines that I wish the other Castlevanias did that I thought was really, really great, like the uh, you know your special weapons that you get, like your the uh, axe and boomerang and stuff like that. If you just press press the um, special weapons button, you would just throw it out regular like you usually would, and that would use one uh, of the whatever blue diamonds that you get. But if you actually did like the Castlevania thing and press up and then press the special weapons uh, button, that would shoot out a more powerful version. And that would consume, I believe, three or four of the diamonds. And I thought that you know each one that you shot out would be completely different from from like what would the the original version would be if you just pressed it, you know, and used one diamond. So I, you know, that was one of those things. I was like, that was really a, a cool idea. And and going along with like Super Castlevania, they had so many cool ideas, and that that was just really never used again. Uh, a, a, after like Bloodlines or Rondo of Blood like it was just they kind of forgot about those things there was just this kind of cool time where they, they tried to do a lot of cool different things with Castlevania that that hadn't been done before and and then they just kind of settled on being Castlevania but with some better controls and, and exploration and I, I, I really wish they would have kind of did a little bit more like what they did back on the, the Super NES and even the Genesis versions
0: well, I, like I said, I think they kind of took ideas from all of them, but, yeah, they but did. there's definitely totally. things that they, you know, like again, that with Castlevania 4 would be that, that whip where you hold down the button and move the whip around. A little awkward, but definitely had a lot of neat potential, and they never really followed through with a lot of that right uh, on some of the later games. But uh, So I guess if, if you had to pick one of these as your favorite, I already said I think Castlevania 4 is probably the best of the four, uh, Rondo being my favorite only because I know where it goes and I do like the exploration part, but what if you had to only pick one of these which would you go with?
1: It's kind of weird because if I if I picked my favorite Castlevania game, it would probably be Rondo of Blood. Like, that is Castlevania to me. It, it controls like Castlevania. It feels like Castlevania. It feels like a Castlevania game. And, but if I wanted to pick my absolute favorite out of all of them, it would be Super Castlevania. And that's just because it, it feels like such a different game. It doesn't feel like a Castlevania game. And nothing has ever really mimicked that game like you know like it has other castlevania games it just feels like its own thing and and that's one of those things that i, I remember so much about and, and some people could be like you know it's just a lot of gimmick stages a lot of gimmick bosses but man it's so good and it feels so it's so fun to to still control it doesn't feel like the the super heavy castlevania controls of like what you felt like you know since then it, it just feels so much fun to, to play, and even today, today it, it holds up. But if I, if I wanted to say what my favorite Castlevania game is, it would definitely be Rondo of Blood.
0: Well, no matter which one you pick, they're all going to be worth playing. And Hello. so <laughs> definitely recommend trying all of them out. Uh, and I'm sure we've bored everybody listening to two men ramble about Castlevanias on 60-bit systems for an hour. Well,
1: that's their fault for listening to this. It is,
0: it is. But next episode, we're going to leave Castlevania altogether. Uh, Hopefully, Billy will be back, and we're going to go back to the Nintendo for a game we said we were going to do before we realized it was October. Kid Icarus (laughs) for the the regular Nintendo Entertainment System. A game I've played probably 100 times start to finish, and I am looking forward to that. And uh, until then, please check us out at RetroVania.net, uh, on Twitter at RetroVania.net, on Facebook RetroVania.net. We're everywhere now is RetroVania.net. And uh, new articles come up all the time. We've been putting up Halloween games all month long. I think I want to continue that, kind of do a different theme sort of for each month or at least kind of maybe even a, lie, a, a play along or something with the Twitter account to make it a little more involved for everybody. It's been going pretty well. So
1: Yeah, I, I enjoyed RetroWing. That was a hell of a name <laughs> i enjoyed it I, I enjoyed seeing the the different games each each week that was that was really fun
0: so i'm hoping to keep that kind of activity going up uh, on there to keep everyone involved we're seeming to get a lot of people following it that way um uh, and until then again check us out retrovania that kind of holds all that stuff for you in one convenient place and we'll see you next time